Welcome to episode 10 of the NRL Corona Positives podcast, our season finale. Who would have thought we are under a week away to the start of the NRL season? And it's very, very positive news if you're an NRL fan. I'm Tony Salerno, having the corona, the beer, not the virus, Mitch Frugia, as we look at the bright side of a game in turmoil. How are you, Mitch? Oh, I'm just great, Tony. The footy's back tonight. It all kicks off. Broncos and Eels set to be a blockbuster, and it's just great to have the game back. Yes, cheers. Cheers. We hope you, the fans, have been entertained listening to our podcast. Here are a few of our thoughts from those of you who got in touch with us on our socials. Mitch, who's first up? Yeah, so firstly from David, who said, Great podcast. Love the talk about when the game was great. Keen for the footy. Go the Chooks. Yeah, that's right. Another fan. Uh, another fan. This time, Josh said the NRL is back, which is amazing. Sad the podcast is over, but there have been some great episodes and podcasts. Come on, Para. Thank you very much there, Josh. Yeah, so make sure you keep connecting with us while the footy is on on social media at NRL Corona Positives on Instagram and Facebook, or even just email us at NRL Corona Positives at gmail.com. Yes, and of course, we are the NRL Corona Positives podcast, so we are excited. We celebrate a game that has been crucially affected by the coronavirus pandemic, but that looks like the worst of it is behind us, and we're reflecting in our 10th and final episode from the season. And Mitch, the biggest episode this week is no secret. It's very obvious. The main positive is Thursday, the NRL season will restart. It hasn't been an easy road, though... So what is our main positive from the whole experience? My one is that the NRL is returning on Thursday, which I thought was Buckley's three months ago. So the NRL has taken some really big steps to try and get the game underway. But Mitch, from a, from a holistic lens, what's been your biggest positive throughout this whole experience while the NRL has been away? Well, I think one aspect of it has definitely been down to leadership. And we've mentioned him a couple of times. Peter Volandes has done an amazing job. Uh, I know in a couple of the early episodes, we had the uh, Peter Volandes fan club going on. And it's certainly been that way, I think, for a lot of NRL fans. Um, he's just been able to go in and get the job done, make tough calls, um, look at tough decisions which have had to be made. Obviously, when all this kicked off and the NRL was shut down after round two, the NRL wasn't in a good way, Tony, at all, looking at their finances, looking at a lot of their money was based from the broadcasters. And obviously, without games being broadcast, where were they going to get the money from? They had to have a lot of difficult talks. And the man who spearheaded pretty much all of them was Peter Volandis. So I think you'd be in agreement with me. He's had a huge impact. And I don't think if it was for his leadership, we wouldn't be playing again tonight. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's almost running the country. He's been that good so far, Mitch. He's just been really... What I like about his approach is there's no BS, and I don't think he's really trying to contain his image. So with a lot of these high-level corporate executives, they're looking at and thinking, what's my legacy going to be? How am I going to come off in front of these different stakeholders? Do they think I'm too pushy or do they think I'm not um, I'm too reactive, etc.? Peter Volandis is just comfortable in his own skin and he's picked out exactly what he wants to be done. And he's very convincing in what he talks. We can see the passion that he's showing in the game but also he's very believable in what he's saying. And you can tell all in all, Mitch, that he's got a plan. And I think that's what the main thing is. You can actually see he's very transparent. He's very open. Even if the government or key stakeholders don't agree with him, he's not hiding anything. He's saying, this is what we're looking to do. There's no smoke and mirrors. 
It's just very down the line. If you like it, you like it. If not, let's work through it and we'll get it done. And I think that's something we haven't seen from NRL management particularly for a very long time. Yes, certainly. And to think that Todd Greenberg was axed midway through. So there's another real influential leader, obviously, for the NRL. And for him to deal with that and just rally rally the troops together again um, and get the show on the road, they've had plenty of different things pop up and he's just been able to deal with it. And uh, it's really good to see him say he just wants to give back to the game of rugby league and get it going as soon as possible. And I think uh, we did mention this, but when when that May 28th date was stated, we sort of, we weren't sure. We thought maybe that's when they'd like to get the game up, but most likely we pushed back a couple of weeks. And it's pretty incredible uh, to look now from where we are and with games kicking off again tonight and over the weekend, uh, it's really just shows how much hard work he's put in as well as the NRL. And I think in these times of uncertainty, Mitch, we just, we, we, we want that plan. So it was the, May 28 date that sort of pulled the trigger, almost I thought for the country as well, in terms of people were starting to think, okay, the NRL is going to be back on this day. That means the country's starting to turn around a bit. So there was a lot of uh, uncertainty early on, particularly when the game was stopped, about when not just the NRL, but when the actual state itself or the country was going to get back up and running again. And they sort of, they needed that, um, they needed that trigger to be able to start something up. And I think that's really what's really helped the country knowing that, okay, some of our sports, something we love or something that um, is important to a lot of Australians is starting up again, which means some form of normalcy, which is what we've been seeking for the last three months, is starting to come through. So Peter Valendis has really showed uh, how committed he is to the game and also how great he is as an administrator. Mitch, I think he's all better off. He's he's, he's one-to-one to win the um, Sports Administrator of the Year. I think he's done a really good job. And uh, a lot of the administrators have sort of followed in his lead in terms of how to approach this. So uh, well done to Peter Volandis. And Mitch, again, it wouldn't be Peter Volandis, the cowboy maverick, without another outlandish plea this week, thinking about maybe crowds will be back in July. Absolutely huge. That's huge to even think about that. I mean, um, we're sort of, I think the government's response at the moment was that's probably not on the cards, but that was a similar response when he said that they were going to get the NRL back up and running by the 28th. So we'll just have to wait and see, but I'm sure he's got his plans in place, Peter Volandis, and uh, it'll be a very good approach from them. And I'm sure potentially the way things have panned out, we may be, um, if not full capacity, but some sort of crowds able to get back to the games, which would be great. Yeah, so my next positive is something semi-related to Peter Valandis' leadership. So we have, of course, Valandis' leadership, the ARLC chairman, who's been fantastic. But it's really got to be said as well that this couldn't happen just with Peter Valandis' leadership alone. My big positive is the way the game has been able to adapt and face the challenges thrown at it. For example, the referee pay issues, players bleaching lockdown, etc. So many times over the years, with maybe not a stern leadership as what Bellini's is providing, maybe the NRL would have just thrown this plan into the too hard basket and then we wouldn't have gone anywhere and just waited on government's advice for everything to open up again and then this season would have been a write-off. But to be able to get, and what's looking like, depending on how much uh, rounds we get, if we do get the full... If we get 20 rounds and then four final series in that year, that's still a huge effort in terms of being able to do that. Because we could have just said, okay, we can make this season a nine season or an exhibition comp. And then, you know what, we'll start afresh for next year. 
But Peter Bellini's and the NRL were content not to make that happen. And, of course, uh, finances being the key reason why, because, you know, the NRL needed that money and they didn't have deep pockets for a very long amount of time. So, and I think from all the parties involved in those arrangements, everyone's pushed ahead for the greater good. There are also tough decisions to be made. There's a few tears that are being had. But for the most part, it's been a really good cooperation, particularly for the New Zealand Warriors. They've been a really stand-out team coming over from New Zealand, leaving their families behind to be central, to be hubbed into Tamworth and New South Wales. So much needs to be commended for them. So the leadership's been awesome. But of course, the adaptation from everyone involved in that leadership has made this NRL... Uh, relaunch super successful yeah especially as you mentioned the warriors have been a big part in this get they've obviously had to sacrifice their families who are over most of them in new zealand they've come over they've been shifted out to tamworth and then now they've been moved um, to play at central in the central coast stadium Um, so it's obviously a really huge thing for them to do that and obviously the nrl have worked well with them to now allow for them to potentially have some lone players uh, which does make sense obviously no uh, secondary Canterbury Cup or Interest Super Cup competitions going on. So a lot of players won't be playing first grade, which means potentially the Warriors might be able to lend a few, uh, which is, I think, just what they need. Obviously, coming out of their depth, they, it's not like they can just get players in quickly um, because they would have to go through a 14-day quarantine. So, yeah, the NRLs worked really well, but also some of the sacrifices from the clubs and players have been unreal. Oh, I've spoken to the Warriors. I play recruiter, Mitch. Um, so I am available. <laughs> I wouldn't have to do the 14-day quarantine and I'd come cheap. So I feel like I'm a very attractive pop- proposition for the Warriors if they need a lone player. Yeah, maybe we'll, just, um... <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll see you running out on the weekends, Annie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that wishful thinking, of course, I'm only joking. But um, yeah, well done to the Warriors. Hopefully, Mitch, just on a personal note for them, this really can go two ways for the New Zealand Warriors. They could really be galvanised and play really well and really inspire teams because they are so driven. I think the Warriors, given what they've done for the game, are everyone's second team. But I, it, could, it could go that way in terms of they have a reasonably good season. They probably don't win it, but they, they have a good run or they go on a good run and they win more than they lose, which would be awesome. Or they could start off well, Mitch, but then they could just die away. You know, they could... It could take so much energy out of them that eventually, you know, they sort of go, this is all a bit too hard. We don't really want to be there. And then eventually, you know, they go on a stream and lose a whole lot of games and win the wooden spoon, you know. So I'm really interested to see what happens with the Warriors. But for the most part, I'm expecting, especially at the beginning, a really energised Warriors team. Yeah, certainly. I think regardless, a lot of fans will be just grateful that for what the Warriors have done. Um, being able to play week in, week out and be away from their families, which is a huge sacrifice. And uh, just one of the things that makes this game great, players and teams being able and willing to sacrifice so much. And I know, Mitch, we didn't really have too much planned for our next segment, which is back when the game was great. But I did want to raise one person who was great back when the game was great. Of course, the game will never be the same again, given the coronavirus pandemic has shaken everything so we look pre-coronavirus pandemic on what made the game well and unfortunately since our last episode we lost Arthur Summons who was a West legend a Western Suburbs Magpies legend uh, he passed away uh, aged in his 90s I believe we can get that confirmed but 
Uh, Arthur Summons is one half of the Gladiators photo, which was eventually with him and Norm Proven, which was eventually turned into the uh, Telstra Premiership Trophy. You see those two men in their gear um, draped across each other, hugging. That's the uh, that's the image of the NRL Telstra Premiership. But Mitch, it's so important that the game remembers those players who really set the foundation back in the 60s and 70s, particularly Arthur Summons, who's had such a great impact on the game. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you can't have much more of an impact than being uh, the trophy for the NRL Premiers. It's just incredible. Um, and obviously was such a great player and uh, really just stood up for what the NRL is, that mateship, um, as we can see in the NRL trophy and everything like that. So it's just... Unfortunately, very sad that he has passed away, but he's obviously remembered as a really great player and uh, personality of the game. Yeah, exactly. And I know it's obviously sad that they're no longer with us, but of course, when these things happen, it gives us an opportunity to reflect on those players and what contribution they had in the game when sometimes it's not always... Um, always re- we don't always... It's not the first thing that always comes to our mind if we haven't grown up with that player. So, uh, uh, Vale, uh, Arthur Summons... Uh, great innings, mate. So next, Mitch, I know you've been you've been hassling me all week to try and get me into this fortune teller booth. So tell me a bit more about what's going on here. All right. So this is our fortune teller booth. So we're going to go through a couple of things before the season re-kicks off. So it'll be who we think will come first at the end of the normal season, who will finish with the wooden spoon, our top eight smoky, so a side that weren't in the top eight last year that we think will make a bold and make the top eight, our Dalian winner, our grand final matchup, so the two teams that'll be in the grand final and the premiership winner. So who you think will come out on top and if you've got it a score as well. Yeah, right. Well, um, okay. So are we going one by one or are we going everyone does their own and then I'll do my own or? I think maybe we'll do one by one and give it a bit of compare so I can get things going if you like. Yep. Okay. So the team I've got finishing first at the end of the normal season are the Brisbane Broncos. So I think this shorter season um, will help out the Broncos. And obviously they did have a lot of injuries at the end of round two. A lot of their players have now come back. Uh, Brody Croft, Matt Lodge also will be coming back. Um, And then Fafita will be coming back in about three to four weeks as well, which will be a huge boost for them. Um, And just their forward pack, I think they got a real young side. And in a competition like this, um, where they've been able to have a month now um, to work on combinations as a team and just work individually as players. I think uh, Anthony Seabold's men may be able to uh, finish in first, Tony. Yeah, Broncos, a very popular choice. They were one of the teams I was leading towards. Now, Mitch, I know in this time of year or in this type of competition, the last thing you want is distractions. Distractions, distractions, bad. So I don't think if you've got a distraction this year, you won't win the comp. Simple as that. Uh, I think, for example, someone like the Canberra Raiders, I was considering picking them as first, but I think this John Baton, uh, John Baton contract saga may start to distract them a little bit and then he'll have some issues and then the team just won't be able to gal- galvanise as it would have. So I think that puts a line through uh, the Canberra Raiders for me. The Roosters, I think, are coming from too far back. I know there are only two wins behind and they could alleviate that very quickly, but I just think the start that they've had and going for a free peak, Mitch, that's a huge effort. I just don't think they'll get the trio done. I think a team, Mitch, a team you think no frills, a team that'll get the job done, a team you can depend on, that team is the Melbourne Storm. I think being there, done that, have handled adversity, 
no BS uh, in their ranks, and I think they're going to win the comp because they're just the most conditioned to these sorts of, or they just know how to win. And this season, that is going to be so important. So I've got the Melbourne Storm coming in first. Who did you have the other side of the table, Mitch? Yeah, unfortunately for this one, I've got the Gold Coast Titans um, to take out the wooden spoon again. I just think a lot of that um, stuff that happened with Bryce Cartwright in the offseason, and they haven't really been able to pick up a lot of players um, as well. And I think from their first two rounds, um, it didn't look like they'd improved much. I mean, uh, hopefully they do come out and prove us wrong. Uh, but yeah, I think I've got, looking at some of the other teams, I've got the Titans coming in last. Okay, for me, last, I'm going to be, I know we're a positive show, Mitch, but unfortunately, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the spoiler here. I think the Warriors are going to come last. I just think, as I said in one of my scenarios a little bit earlier, I think they're really going to start well. But the fact that they've got absolutely no home ground advantage, they've got a terrible record in Australia, and there is a good chance all of this season, all their games are going to be in Australia and in Tamworth. So I just don't think that build bodes well for the Warriors. I could be wrong, but I just think they'll, um, I believe they'll come up to the foot of the table this season. Valiant effort, but I just don't think they'll win enough games. Okay, so who's your top eight Smokey? So side that didn't make the top eight um, but last year, but might make it this year. Didn't make the top eight last year that might. I was going to say the Sharks, but of course, Bronson Sherry, we know, is in a bit of trouble as well. So he's a, he's a strike weapon. He's um, under investigation from Masada, pending his B sample. He might be banned from the game. So the Sharks, one of the teams I was thinking of. But a team that I actually think are going to go really close this year that missed the finals is the Penrith Panthers. They've started really well. I know the Nathan Cleary drama as well. So there's plenty of question marks with that. But I feel like the Panthers, of all the teams that I saw in the first two rounds, they look like they've got it the most together out of all of them. They don't have the drama from last year in terms of um, in terms of the sex tape and all that sort of stuff. So I feel like uh, they're a bit better poised this time around. I mean, clearly as a full season as coach, uh, properly he's got more of a team that he wanted, and I think the Panthers will make the top eight, if not the top four. Yeah, not a bad shout there, Tony. I've gone for the Cowboys, so I think the two months off will really be good for them. Obviously, Val Holmes is going to be one of their big strike weapons, and for him to get a bit of time to settle in and now train a bit longer with uh, his teammates is going to be a really big positive for them. Uh, I just think that they do have a pretty good side all over the park um, and led by Jason Tomololo in that pack, so uh, I think they'll be hard to miss out on the top eight. Yeah, that's a very good choice as well. Yeah, so now, next, next is... Yep, oh, sorry, sorry, Mitch. We're too, posi- we're too nice to each other. We're super <laughs> positive, super polite. So next up is Dally M Medalist. So this one's always... A- this one, Mitch, out of all the awards, is so hard to pick. You don't know. Um, is it Josh Hoffman? Uh, is it Josh Hosden? Is it uh, Cameron Munster? Mitchell Moses? You, you have a smoker, you think, oh, this guy will win. And then he ends up getting based... Uh, you know, finishes mid-table. It's so hard to predict. I think this year that the winner of the Dahlia medal will be Cameron Munster from the Melbourne Storm. I feel like he's going to be in and around there. Melbourne are, of course, going to win more games than they lose. The only, the only kicker for Cameron Munster is he plays in a team with Cameron Smith, who's going to steal a lot of votes off him as well. So uh, that one's a tough one. But um, I think Cameron Munster, for me, is going to be the Dahlia winner. How about yourself, Mitch? Yeah, I've gone for Tom Trebojevic. I really liked what Manly provided and showed in rounds one and two. 
And I think, obviously, Tommy Turbo is a really classy player. And I think he's going to be able to pick up a lot of Dalian points this year. Uh, even though their side does have a lot of good players, I still think he'll be able to get some good points. And not having Origin in the middle of the season hopefully means he stays injury-free. Um, and if that's the case, I think the whole season under his belt, he's going to be really high up there. So I've gone for him as the Dalian winner. Yep, now grand final matchup. We've got plenty of fantasies of how this one will end. I'm going to go for the Panthers and the Broncos. Oh, no, I said the winner of the grand final is going to be the Melbourne Storm. So it can't be the Panthers and the Broncos. I think it'll be the Storm and the Broncos. As you said, the Broncos look like they're on the up and up. I think Parramatta will come very close. I don't know if they'll get it done. The Storm have a really good record in finals against Parramatta, and I think that might um, that might end their season again. But for me, Melbourne Storm winning 16-4. I think it'll be a very dour... could be a day grand final, but it'll be a very dour affair. Melbourne Storm to win for me. In Cameron Smith's, potentially last year. Potentially, wouldn't it be a way to sign off for him winning the grand final, Tony? Oh, you know, he's done everything else, Mitch. Give someone else a go, mate. <laughs> well, my grand final matchup, I've gone for um, a match. We've had a couple of times in a grand final, mainly up against the Melbourne Storm. Um, I had, I was thinking about Parramatta and Newcastle. I think that they'll go close, um, particularly Newcastle. I really like them signing Andrew McCulloch, but I just don't think they'll make it to the grand final this year. I think they are building something really good, though. Uh, but with Manly and the Storm, I think Manly, from that first two rounds, showed a lot of grit. And obviously, playing under Des Hasler, you're going to get that. And he's going to really galvanise the players. And similar thing with Craig Bellamy. We know that his sides are like that. But I've actually gone for Manly to win it. 28 points to 22 over the Melbourne Storm. Des Hasler is an evil genius. And he might just be what this coronavirus series need, uh, this coronavirus season needs, I think. So that's a very good pick. So there are our predictions. Mitch, thanks for showing us the crystal ball. No you should stop rubbing it like that. Hand over hand, spinning it, spinning it around. Yeah, Tony. Well, hopefully we have done our job. We've made it through 10 weeks with 10 podcasts, focusing on the positives on the NRL in a really unknown time. Yeah, thanks, Mitch. It's been a really good, I think more so for anything else. I hope the listeners have enjoyed all, all the, the people who subscribe, the subscribers have really enjoyed this podcast. I really enjoy making it with yourself, Mitch, but I feel like it's made me feel a little bit better as well. Even if we've just shed a little bit of positive on the game for other people to really take it and feel good. And, you know, you know what? For a while there, Mitch, particularly in the early episodes that we were doing, there was a lot of doom and gloom about, you know, the NRL potentially going under, what's going to happen with this coronavirus, uh, people not being able to leave their homes, etc. So I think over time, this has really been really useful in trying to purpose up a little bit as well. So, um, no, I really enjoyed making it, not just for the listeners, but, of course, ourselves, just to cheer us up a little bit more in what's been a really difficult time. Yeah, certainly, Tony. And we might be back with another podcast. Uh, but in the meantime, where we can be caught um, on another station, on a, a radio station, uh, whereabouts is that? We caught on the live 90.5 FM or live905.com.au each and every Sunday between 2 and 5. Sunday Sports Roundup, the show's called Get Around It. Yes, certainly. Thank you very much, Tony Slano. I'm Mitchell Frugia. Stay safe, keep looking for the positives, and most importantly, bring on the footy.